From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, David Martin missed out on the top job in 2020. Can he win enough votes this time to become the next Mayor of Ipswich? In this episode, some of his key policies, including infrastructure, environment, economy and built heritage. It's Monday, February 19, 2024, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. David Martin launched his second bid for mayor in April 2023. In 2020, he secured just under 24% of the vote to run second in a field of seven. This time round, there's six candidates. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, David Martin. My pleasure, Alan. It's four years since your first run for Mayor of the City of Ipswich. Why are you lining up again? I love this city and I'm disappointed at what I see. But once again, our city's in the news for wrong reasons. We seem to be the butt of jokes. We seem to be, anytime you look at the news, it's Ipswich, there's a problem here. I want to see that addressed. I love this place. And there's so much potential, so much opportunity, and I want to see that explored, enhanced and activated. Can I go straight to your campaign website? There's a lot there that you want to do. Have you costed your promises? Most of those promises, well, they're not promises. They're things I want to do, as you just said. Most of those things, they will require funding from state and federal government. And I've spoken to all of our members. And what I'm going to do, if I am elected, we will be having regular meetings, at least bi-monthly, asking what we need to do to articulate state and federal government to be able to actually go to parliament and tangibly ask for these things we want. For example, the Norman Street Bridge. Like we've been talking about that since I was a kid, Alan. And we need a business case, we need a business plan, well, whatever it is we need, I want to actually have it done so we can give it to our state members and our federal members so they no longer can come back and say, oh, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. I want to have our I's dotted, our T's crossed, so we can actually tangibly ask for some money and receive some. Many, as you say, have been on council's wish list for years. Is the Norman Street Bridge your number one priority? Uh, that'd be one of them, yeah. I just think our traffic's becoming increasingly hectic going through the CBD. As you know, the David Trumpy Bridge is over 50 years old now, and that's ridiculous, the city our size, and we certainly have the one bridge through town. There are a number of development applications in place for council with high-rise living. There was one just came in last week at Lowry Street for another 61 units. At the moment, there's currently one house there. So 61 units, that again adds at least another 60 cars to the equation. And that's happening more and more over there as density increases. So we definitely need that bridge. So it's certainly one of them. As to our highways, Alan, like our highways, the duplication of the highway through to Willowbank from Cunningham Highway, the... Centenary Highway. I mean, we've just been neglected for too long and things need to change. Why do you think you could make a breakthrough on funding and others haven't? Well, the current mayor, the LNP mayor, uh, throws the ALP members under the bus at every opportunity. As a true independent, I'm certainly not going to play the political card and I won't be waiting till after a budget to throw them under the bus. I'll be negotiating and talking with them before the budget to see, as I said, what we need to do to get 
these things actually happen and become a reality. Uh, for too long, we just get told, oh, you haven't got the Norman Street Bridge, the business case isn't up to scratch, or the business plan isn't done for the football stadium. Well, that's what I'm saying. I want to have these things done. And again, as a true independent, I have good relationship with uh, current members, and I dare say moving forward, regardless of the political persuasion of the members coming forward, I will have their support by virtue of the fact that I'm not pushing any political bandwagon. I'm not an engineer, but looking at your uh, list there, I think the Springfield Central to Ipswich rail line might be the biggest ticket item and the growth of Ripley and Red Bank Plains, uh, everyone says it must happen, but when? Well, that's an excellent question. Once again, that's up to our state government. So I know there have been comprehensive plans and whatnot done. However, with a population of 150,000 supposed to be moving to Ripley in the next 20 years, we need to be in front of the curve rather than behind. I just can't believe how we plan for yesterday and we build for yesterday instead of planning for tomorrow and building for tomorrow. And Ripley at the moment, for example, at their Providence, how in the world it's approved that you have one lane in, one lane out of a 150,000 population is just unfathomable, really. Like, we need to be better than that. We need to be smarter than that. Back to your campaign website, your environment list. What are your plans for a green waste facility and recycle centre? Well, we'd be... Uh, engaging experts on that, Alan, in terms of green waste. I know some councils around the place, I know Noosa used to be able to take a load of green waste and you could take away a trailer load of mulch when you left the place. I would like to investigate the possibility of us doing that in-house, our own green waste. There's a lot of issues, as you know, particularly with New Grow at the moment with their uh, mulching plant, and I'd like to investigate the possibility of council being able to do their own uh, composting in-house. So that's what I'd like to see. I'd also like to see reduced fees for green waste. So you take green waste to the dump, for example. I'd like to see dump fees waived. Uh, at the moment, you pay $14, doesn't matter what you take to the dump. So that also needs to be investigated. Sorry, you also mentioned the recycle facilities, is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, well, no, at Logan, they have recycle shops. Go to Logan and potentially come out. You can buy things, a bit like an op shop. So I know a lot of stuff, kind of almost heartbreaking at times when you go to the dump and you see some of the, well, useful items that people just throw over the side. And then once they're in the pit, no one's going to go in the pit and get them and they just get bulldozed into landfill. So, Have you had a look, David Martin, have you had a look at Council's planned replacement for Riverview? It's going to be called a Resource Recovery and Animal Management Centre at Red Bank Plains. That's a fairly impressive plan. Have you had a close look at that? I've had a look at it. Jacob Madsen said he's going to take me through um, step by step and look at it. So I do want to uh, tease that out and investigate that a lot more. Yeah. Part of your platform, you say plant more trees. Have you thought about how many, where and when? Yeah, I'd like to see, well, pardon me, getting back to planning. If you go to Forest Lake, or even Springfield Lake, some of the developments there, there's tree-lined streets leading into them. So certainly a lot more tree-lined streetscape. Uh, when we have divided roads where there's concrete in the middle, I'd certainly rather see trees there. And I'd like to see parks with more trees as well. Like we obviously in a hot climate, we have a number of days throughout our year, they're over 30 degrees, and our shade seems to be inadequate in a lot of these parks. And whilst it's good that we have shade sails, sitting under a tree is always cooler than sitting under a shade sail. So that's what I'd like to see. Like I live, as you know, Alan, Denmark Hill, looking out over the city at the moment, you see green everywhere. You see a few buildings 
broken up like St Mary's. You go to Ripley or Spring Mountain, the new areas of the city, and all you see is line after line of uh, roofing tiles and galvabon. That's all you see. On to the economy. On your website, you say you want to encourage support for local businesses and local business tenders. How would this be different to Council's current policy? Well, funny enough, I've spoken last week to two large businesses in Ipswich, and one of them supplies, um, won't say who, but they supply uh, services to businesses across southeast Queensland. They have no relationship with council, and council, in fact, uses the services of one of the businesses that they actually get their stuff off this particular business, which is amazing. Uh, and another business make a particular brand of item, and council, again, doesn't use any of those. So in terms of the uh, support local, do that at every opportunity. If you're on my Facebook page, you know, I'm always supporting local business. Uh, a number of business owners have told me of the red tape and the troubles they have trying to come to Ipswich. Just this morning, a guy told me that he has been in the process with the council, Ipswich City Council, for six weeks. He went to Brisbane and he said three weeks later, so that was whilst he was undertaking the one in Ipswich, he's already been approved to go to Brisbane. So sadly, we're going to lose a business from our city. We'll be moving down to Brisbane. I think we're talking about two different things here. That, that, that sounds like a planning application you're talking about there. Is that right? Well, his is a planning application. Yeah. I just want to go back to asking about the, the tenders and council supporting local business. Council's policy states it will only seek quotes from local businesses in the first instance for contracts for less than 50000 So first, local businesses get first dibs on that. And it will provide a 20% local contact preferential weighting to items less than 200000 And then there's another criteria for 15% local economy support do they need to be stronger i'd like to say that they may have those things in place alan i don't believe they're being followed to the letter of the law certainly don't so i know a lot of out-of-town providers come to markets at the mall and i'd like to see that exclusive for ipswich stallholders i believe we're ipswich markets i don't think we should be propping up other businesses in southeast queensland particularly when we have businesses at ipswich that can't get a gong at the markets Onto your community platform, David Martin. You say you want to deliver basic services on time. What specifically is not being done on time now? Well, have a look at the mowing roster around the place. Like we're really behind. Notwithstanding, we've had a lot of rain, Alan. However, I believe council certainly needs to be vested in community with our parks and open spaces, having them maintained so that people can get out and enjoy them. I'm on a number of community committees, as you know. And one particular community group I was on, we were applying for funding for a particular event and we didn't get approval of the funding till shortly before the event. So I'd like to see community groups having knowledge and certainty and security about the funding way before an event is to happen. On your campaign website, you've highlighted the North Ipswich Woolen Mills not once but twice. Now, the purchase of this site by council was probably well-intentioned in 2015 to preserve another part of the city's built heritage what do you want to do with it if you get elected mayor? Alan, I'd love to see that as our Eat Street Markets. I'd love to see it open to the public, have the arts community over there. I'd love to see Get Set for Work involved to restore certain facets, and I'd love to see the uh, River Heart Parkland extend through there. So I'd love to see Hard Shoreline through the CBD with a park path on both sides with a little low bridge to cross over. So I think our river is certainly underutilised and that asset has so much potential. Do you know the current state of the buildings? 
Uh, no, I don't, Alan. Just locked up since pretty well 2015, I believe. There was supposed to be some markets there at one stage, and I know Council once had it open, so I got a lot of pictures during the Galvanised Festival, but I believe it's pretty well been shut up since then. I did speak with Tamillo briefly about it, um, but he didn't have any plans. He just said he was, you know, just the administrator. It was purchased under a previously elected council. He was just in a holding pattern, I guess. That's that's what he said. I know there was talk. The last dancer, Mao Dancer, he was talking at one stage. We were pretty excited. That was 2018, shortly before we were uh, going into receivership or administration. So there were talks of him coming and doing something, which would have been really good, but yeah, once we were getting sacked, well, that went by the by as well, unfortunately. So we're talking about Queensland Ballet coming and utilising it. Yes. Well, not being an engineer, I, I couldn't hazard it a guess what the repair bill would be, but it would have to be in the millions to restore it to a, uh, a safe state. And finally, David Martin, access to councillors. You've put it out there on social media to have councillors' offices in the four libraries. Why is it you want to bring back councillor offices in libraries? One of the many things people say when I'm out and about in community, Alan, is they don't know who their local councillor is and they have no access to them. If you have a look at our state representatives, we have four. Well, Jim's just leaving, but his office was at Brassel. Jen is at Bavale. Lance is at Goodner. And Charisse is at Springfield. So there are state members. You can go to a local office and see your state member to look after the whole state, as you know. Yet our local councillors, we have to go into Ipswich to see them. Now, I know that they do go out and about. However, their primary business is in their building at the bottom of Nicholas Street. Yeah, I just think that they should be out and about in community and the, accessible. The vast majority of customer calls to councils are received by a dedicated customer call centre, and you'd be familiar with that. Were divisional officers in their previous form value for money? Well, I believe so. As you know, I was in council for 10 months and I can only speak on behalf of what I saw. I know I was always busy. I'd be fielding a lot of concerns and complaints and issues with local residents. If you ring the call centre, or you do at the moment a snap send, um, you know, the photo app, if you do that, you don't really talk to anybody personally. And I know on a number of occasions, I was able to take council officers out and explain residents' complaints, whereas if you just ring the council, um, they would feel that they're palmed off. And again, I believe our local councillors should be representing the local people and they should be able to represent them and advocate on their behalf. And again, um, I believe that some things were put in place that need to change and if that's not the case, then why do we have local councillors? It just seems ridiculous we have local councillors who can't engage and advocate on behalf of their local residents. I don't think they can't engage. I think it's just not having a street frontage, which may be a psychological thing because people can ring and email and make appointments. I'm hearing that many of the councillors do go out to uh, residents' homes. Is that not good enough? I'm just relaying what I'm hearing across the board, Alan. I get asked so many times, who is my local councillor? So they don't even know who their local councillors are anymore. So back in the day with local offices, people knew who their local councillor was. It doesn't necessarily mean you like them, but you knew who your local councillor was. You knew where their office was. You knew you could just drop in and see them. I don't believe you can just drop in and see a councillor at the local building anymore. So I believe it's a lot different to what it was. What I want to say, because people often ask why I'm standing, and probably one of the biggest reasons I want to see is pride restored in our city. I love this place, Alan, and I want to see Ipswich, a place we're all proud to call home. I think I've mentioned to you, that when you see the news these days, we seem to be in the news for wrong reasons. Recently, they had power crews out at Willowbank, and you said, 
power crews at Willowbank, west of Brisbane. We had some growlers come into Amberley, west of Brisbane. There's a murder at Red Bank, Ipswich. I want to see that change, that mantra change, that we're proud to call Ipswich home and that we're in the news for good reasons. David Martin, we'll leave it there. Thanks for the catch-up and thanks for speaking with Ipswich today. Thanks so much, Alan. And that's it for this episode. Just a reminder, you'll find handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.